the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Why are we erecting statues with people on it? We should be glorifying God and not human achievement. I leave that up to you. I don't care where you stand on that one. But I believe the Bible teaches us to glorify God and God alone. And do not erect statues glorifying or doing whatever, honoring people whom we know are flawed. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter whether they have done a lot of great things. They're still flawed. That's why we're forbidden to do that. That's why God says, you know, in the Bible, if you, I was reading First and Second Kings. All of these kings, they were given the accolade of being righteous by doing what? By destroying the statues of false gods. It doesn't please God for us to erect statues for someone. It doesn't matter who they are. In fact, the Bible commands for us not to do any of that. Did God command the Israelites to erect a statue of Moses? I don't read that in the Bible. What about Abraham? The Bible says, erect me a statue of Joseph, of Elijah. The Bible says, erect a statue of Paul, the apostle, Peter, even Jesus. No. God always says, build me an altar. And in the Old Testament, that's an expression of their remembrance of the goodness of God in the form of a tabernacle. And in the New Testament, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart that he implanted his glory in a person's heart who calls on the name of Jesus to glorify him by erecting the altar of gratitude, the altar of worship in the inside of our hearts. That's what the Bible teaches. And that's an area of conviction. Doesn't matter what we do on the outside, if it's founded on the wrong convictions, you know what? There's never going to be any real restoration or forgiveness or reconciliation because we're going to repeat the same things unless the heart is transformed, unless the, the heart is the altar where the presence of God sits, there will be no solution. There's no real answer. We can legislate however we want. We can destroy statues as much as we want. But unless we understand why we're doing it and what convictions brings us to that decision, we will always just do it out of how we personally feel. Now let's get this to a personal level. Let me ask a tough question this morning for all of us. How willing are we to forgive those who hurt us badly? 
See, this is not just a national thing. This is also a personal thing. And I'm asking and talking to Christians this morning. How quick do we let go of our grudges? How long do we hang on to them? How about the things that are done to you at work? How do you feel about that co-worker getting away with cheating and dishonesty and getting a, a much larger bonus than you have? How do you feel about that as a Christian? You exerted more energy, you exerted more enthusiasm, you exerted more effort, and you were never recognized for it. What about at home? How do you feel about you're the only one doing all the loving in that relationship? Are you still willing to do the loving thing even though it's a one-sided road? The answer to this question goes to the heart of our convictions. And those convictions will either fuel are either fueled by love for God or they're coming from some other place. Convictions are more than just a set of deeply held values and beliefs. They go deep inside our hearts. If in the inside we love to hate, it will fuel our convictions. If deep inside there is the love of Christ, it will fuel our conviction. King David in, Psalm, in the psalm said these words, Your words I have hidden in my heart, so I will not sin against you. That's a definitive statement of where David, David's convictions rest. Loving Jesus with conviction means your faith in Christ is stronger than the risk you take in order to demonstrate your faith. God rewards those who by faith persist in doing what is right and what is good. Romans 2.7, Paul wrote, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, He will give them eternal life. That's how much convictions are given worth by God in Scriptures. How doing good because of our convictions, because of our faith in Christ, will produce in us that reward. Another one, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I know that some of you here this morning, you're ready to unleash that wrath, that anger, that vengeance against the world, against someone. You're saying you've had it, enough is enough. But there's a still small voice speaking in the inside of your heart saying, don't do it. This is the way. Walk in a manner that gives glory to God. That's that still small voice of conviction. It's the Spirit of God speaking. And we better listen. Your husband cheated on you. And you're within your rights to cheat back. And you are ready to do it. But you decided to honor Jesus instead and remain faithful. How do you think Jesus will respond to that? The Bible says, my reward is with me. There is a reward for standing on our convictions. Trust me, God will always, always prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He will always invite us to dine with Him in the midst 
of wrong situations. The Bible is true. Those convictions have to be planted in our hearts. We need to persevere till the end with those convictions because one day that trumpet will sound or one day we will hear the trumpet and we will be called home and the Bible says we will be ushered into the presence of God by angels. That's how I want to die. But it matters how I live. We need to live with convictions, with the biblical convictions that we have. Number two, we know that we're loving Jesus with convictions by being gracious in the face of the worst challenges. Now, this is the issue of love. This is a result of love. Okay? Graciousness. Paul says, we thank the Father because of your work done by faith and your labor prompted by love. Conviction is all about grace in the midst of hardships. In fact, the word here for labor is the word kopos, which means severe hardships. The word labor sometimes is not a, not a strong enough word. But the, 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 the original word that was used here is the word severe hardship. Apparently, the Christians uh, Paul was writing to and commending at Thessalonica were not just doing good deeds in the midst of the injustices that are going on around them. Their conviction about Jesus compel, compels them to continue to be gracious even though they were really suffering severely. Nothing shakes our faith and love for God greater than the personal suffering we endure. The truest test of our conviction about Jesus is how we endure suffering in life. When we're facing challenges, difficulties, do we remain gracious? Do we remain gracious in the midst of these challenges, the worst challenges that we ever face? I know a lot of people who become really embittered by the problems that they face. They isolate themselves. They lash out at other people. They get angry at the world. They get angry at God. They point a finger at everybody else, even the ones who love them. And that's a tragedy, but that's a result of falling from that grace that we all need from God. How do we respond to challenges, to difficulties? Does grace still show up? It's all a matter of conviction. Show me a person who loved God, and I will show you a person who remains gracious in the face of difficulty. Are you discouraged this morning? Check your convictions. It will give you an idea of how much love you have for Christ, how much love we have. When I feel discouraged, I always say to myself, Jesus is in heaven, but the Comforter, the Holy Spirit resides inside me. God is with us in our difficulties, and difficulties are necessary to remind us that this world is not our final home. Difficulties should remind us of heaven. And I know people get you know, upset by that. I mean, I upset more people by talking about heaven than anything else. And, and, and people says, you know, heaven is still a far off place for me. I don't want to talk about dying. I don't want to talk about heaven. I want to talk about here and now. Listen, uh, how you view 
heaven determines how you face the reality of today here in this world. There's a reason why God promises a place for us that he prepares, John chapter 14. Because Jesus understands that the road between now and when we get to heaven can be very turbulent, can be very challenging. And I don't need to repeat that. We all know that we live in this world, right? There's no such thing as a perfect life in an imperfect world. There's no such thing as perfect people in an imperfect world. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But we have a singular focus, and that is the face of Jesus, the face of heaven. Don't be ashamed to put heaven on your mind. I mean, it's a, it's, it, it, it does form our convictions on how we live here on earth. It, it, it frames our attitude, how we deal with the day-to-day challenges that we face. God is with us, with us in good times and in difficult times. But it all, it's all for the child of God going to end in heaven. And that's a good thing for us to, to put in our minds. If not, you know what? We're going to start living in this world and we're going to start feeling like we're victims of something. You know, we got so much victim mentality in our world, you know, that it seems like God had never promised anything good. I mean, I hear that, this even from, from Christians, you know. You know, if, if you have... Uh, a little about heaven, you know. You, you got to listen to the more BG songs. Nobody gets too much heaven no more. We, we, we got to focus on this. And, and, and I know, and I know, you know people will, will often have a problem with that. I want to I wanna know how to live right here and right now. And we, we have a generation of Christians who think that this is all there is. Absolutely not. Are you troubled at what's going on? Do you think this virus is ever going to go away? Do you lose sleep at night? Do you, do you think you're going to lose your job tomorrow? Guess what? It's going to continue to happen. Whether this virus disappears or the economy picks up, it's going to go through that cycle because we live in a fallen world. And if you don't have heaven in your mind, you're always going to put your stakes, your, your hopes in what's going on right here. And it's not going to help. But it's an issue of conviction. We need to understand that we have enough grace from God to make it through. And we need to know and learn how to appropriate that grace, our attitude in difficulties tells us a lot about our convictions, how serious we are in, in our love for God. Now look at this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, 58. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord Jesus because you know that your labor, your hardship in the Lord is not in vain. What do you think it's talking about? Is it talking about rewards just right here and right now? No, it's talking about heaven. In this world, Jesus says you will have troubles, there will be hardship, but take, God, take heart, I have overcome the world and guess what? I sit in heaven on a throne. That's the truth. A lot of things going on in this verse. A few things I want to emphasize. First of all, we need to stand firm. Because trouble is unavoidable. Second, we give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. We still serve God, right? I'm not talking about coming to church and doing all these things, but we serve God. We do our worship, personal worship to God. 
We serve the Lord. We serve His precepts. We, we serve His commands. We continually do it. We stand firm, continue to always give ourselves fully to the work because you know that your hardships in the Lord will not be in vain. I think that's an encouraging word. God is going to have a reward ready, but you got to think heaven for that one. Here's another one, Philippians 2, 14 to 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the skies as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on that day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. I mean, there's so much, there's so much in there. I mean, it's worth memorizing. Again, the same pattern. Be gracious. Serve the Lord without grumbling and arguing. Hold on to Jesus. Then you will shine here on earth and get your reward in heaven. That's what you call the day of Christ. And here's the third one. Revelations 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this. Blessed are those, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Well, that's a good word. And there's a final point on this. We know that we're loving Jesus with convictions when, thirdly, we stay grounded in the face of the wildest chaos that's going on. And that's the result of our hope. The result of our hope. Being hopeful is a product of our convictions. Paul says, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, the third part of that verse. Nothing kills hope than constant negativity. Nothing kills joy than constant negativity. Refusing to accept that there's always that possibility that our faith, our hope, and our love will be challenged on a daily basis. We got to accept the challenge. We can't run away from it. We have to accept the challenge standing firm. You can look at the good side or you can look at the bad side. The Bible says, look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We are to look straight at Jesus. Nothing brings fear and uncertainty than negativity. I'm not just talking about being negative in our words and our outlook. I'm talking about negativity in our actions and behaviors and decisions. So many are so shallow in their convictions that they throw away their lives by engaging in such negative behavior when something they don't like happen. We cannot change actions and behaviors without changing our convictions. How many times do we have to go to jail before we realize that something deep inside has to change? This is, this is the work of the Spirit whispering in our ears. Something's got to change. I had a friend um, maybe over 30 years ago, a co-worker. His name was Steve. I'm not going to give the last name. There's a, there's a million Steves, but he was a biker guy. You know, I worked with him, you know, maybe over 30 years ago. And listen, he was fired for fighting with a co-worker of ours. And believe it or not, I saw him just a few years ago. I saw him around here, a restaurant around here. I saw him. He was in a fight with another customer in that restaurant. 
Same guy. After 30 years, he got fired 30 years ago, and it looks to me like he's going to go to jail for this one. Nothing has changed in 30 years. Something has got to change in the inside. And when I speak about the grace of God, we can't do this on our own. God has to provide a way. God has to make a way, and he does. How many failed marriages do you have to go through before you realize the problem is in the inside? Something's got to change in the inside. How many illegitimate children do you need to bring into this world before you realize you can't continue to do it? That these, these things goes in the heart of your convictions and mine. When are we going to stop crossing the line that we're not supposed to cross? When are we going to cross the line that we are supposed to cross? Now listen, no one is pretending that this is an easy thing. That's why I thank God that Jesus is our Savior. That Jesus is our King. This is why we hang on to every opportunity to rely on God's grace and mercy. That's where our hope really lies. Now, how, how do you ask God for more grace? It involves three things. Surrender, trust, and, a, and an action towards a different direction. Three things. Three things you got to do. You know, in the parable of the lost son, three things happen. Right? He came to his senses. <laughs> and he realized that God is not an enemy. God is a, Jesus is the lover of our soul. But we need to fundamentally recognize that. We recognize who Jesus is. And Jesus is, if Jesus is who he said he is, he's the only answer. He's the only hope we have. And the Bible says that God wants us to come to him asking for grace. And those who ask for grace will, give, will be given more grace. Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Are we doing these things? Convictions will, 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 will not happen unless we're willing to trust God for His grace and mercy to, to, uh, for us to accomplish these things. Romans 15.4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in Scripture and the encouragement they provide, might, we might have hope. And one more, 2 Corinthians 3.12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we become very bold in approaching the throne of God. Again, let me ask us this morning, when we cross the line, is there a sense of guilt? If there's a sense of guilt that we've crossed the line, I'm happy to tell you that that's good news because there is conviction that remains. Amen? But when we cross the line and we feel happy about it and satisfied about it, that's a red flag. It means the conviction is no longer there. So it's easy to tell. That means we're being convicted. Do we, do we feel sorrow when we cross the line? If we feel sorrow, that will inevitably 
lead to repentance. And that's the work of conviction. That's what the Spirit of God accomplishes. You and I are convicted because of our love for Jesus, not because of our fear of Jesus. Amen? You're afraid, if you're afraid this morning that when you die you'll go to hell so you'll, you'll, you'll promise to serve Jesus, forget about it. It isn't going to work. It doesn't work. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. That's what sound mind means. Or maybe today you don't even feel a certain responsibility for your sin or for crossing the line. You violated God's love and you violated God's law and you start feeling good about it. I want you to know that the grace of God is abundant. It's abundant. The grace of God overflows, but He'll never, ever ever drag you to him when you don't want to be. Let the grace of God and the truth of his word work in you by the power of his spirit. He's going to build faith, hope, and love. These will become the foundation of our godly conviction. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.